0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And of course, with me, as always, is Jesse Bach. You could find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Jesse, how's it going tonight? We we are freshly removed from the Bucks winning the NBA Finals. Looks like you've got a LeBron James shirt on. I happen to be wearing a Michael Jordan shirt. So, two of the godiest goats there ever were. Well, but is Giannis going to creep his way into goat territory? Um
1: I it's going to take a little bit for him to even get to LeBron's level just because lebron is a true listen or I'm not again I'm not getting into the goat conversation but at the very least even with his doubters even with lebron's haters you can't say he's not a once in a generation type of player and even then he still knocked it out of the park so all right
0: just putting that out there okay wait who who is not saying that lebron james isn't generational um there are people out there.
1: I there he he certainly has his haters and people, you know, will say that every I've heard other podcasts say that oh yeah, LeBron's been on a super team every championship he's won. Um th- th- other players on the championship teams had bigger impacts than him cuz yeah, he he was on a, you know, the, the Cleveland, right?
0: Like he yeah, is still Sogaskis Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super team. Enough said. There you go. Anderson Vergeau. Listen, here's, here's the issue. My brother-in-law made one of the most perplexing statements to me. Actually, it's funny because he made a statement about Giannis, which I'm going to bring up in a minute, but he made a statement to me one time when we were debating LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Now, I am actively a a massive LeBron James stand. I think that LeBron James is on Jordan's level. I think LeBron has done things uh, to this point in his career that few players ever can and maybe ever will at his size. I think people still don't give him enough respect. A guy that plays one through five on the court a lot of times. My brother-in-law said that LeBron James succeeding was more likely because when he came out of high school, he had the support of everybody behind him and i said i disagree because to me that feels like more pressure he easily could have folded like we've seen this happen before with
1: an andrew wiggins who had all of the hype in the world coming out of high school we saw this exact same thing if anything you're a younger kid so you i i don't know i feel like at that age when you're 17 18 years old you can Le- lebron could have dude he could have he could have gone down the route of I, I don't know, some, like any other top two or top three pick flame out from the 90s or 80s or early 2000s, whatever. Or he could have even had an Andrew Wiggins-level trajectory. Um, he, uh, like honest to God, whoever started collecting LeBron early and did it passionately and picked up any anything of his at the time for for pennies on the dollar of what they're worth today, They're doing very well, and it's because of the legacy that he's left since he was 18 years old.
0: I've got an organic bit. I think every week I'm going to bring up some fraudulent statement that my brother-in-law made to me because every week we have a sports debate, and every week I disagree with him with every fiber of my being. And you look at LeBron. He got better like year over year from his first year in the league very clearly he had to work for it. It's like people say, oh, you take steroids and you just hit the ball way over the fence. Barry Bonds took steroids and he was just jacking home runs. Well, he was a great fucking swinger and he was a great player. You know, He was a player that was walked an immense amount of times in his, in his time in the league. He just had an eye for the right pitch and he, it, the guy was a, an incredible hitter. Like it wasn't the fucking steroids that put it over the fence. The dude is a legendary batter, and that's why he had a lot of balls over the fence. But this, this statement that LeBron was going to be successful because of this hype behind him, I would argue a guy like Giannis being successful, although his road more difficult, that chip on his shoulder to motivate him. like He had more to lose than LeBron, and it's equally impressive to see him get to this point, you know, multi-time MVP award winner, now an NBA champion, He's got a lot of momentum behind him, and I think next year the West is going to get stronger. We're going to get a healthy Lakers team back. You know, Obviously, if Clay can come back and we get the Warriors the way they used to be, I don't know, Jesse. I mean, would you say right now, out of the East, are, are we saying that the Bucks are an odds-on favorite to get out, or do you think that the Hawks and Celtics are still going to be a team that, that stand in their way? I believe
1: um, Hawks and Celtics. Interesting. Not the Nets?
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Nets, to be honest with you. I, I'm waiting through the offseason. I really don't know if this team stays together the way it was. I don't know how you keep all these players on this team. Um, I think they can make it work. If
1: anything, uh, I, I can't remember if it was Wozier or, or Schefter who tweeted out immediately after the Bucks won that, the if anything, FanDuel had the odds-on favorite to win the championship next year. Uh, uh, it was the brooklyn nets believe it or not so um they're gonna i just i think in the neck for the next couple of years the conference finals are going to be very interesting like they're going to be nba finals level games in conference finals and even even in the round before that like we already saw that this year with the nets and and the bucks so in the west man like just seeing i i would love to see like 3 years in a row of LeBron playing um against the Warriors again and again and again like i i would love to i would love to see those those uh series um yeah the next couple of years it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting i mean we we have to anticipate uh Giannis and the Bucks going to at least one more over the next the next few years as as long as they still have their core drew holiday had an incredible incredible series it was very like holiday can be very hot and cold um he was cold in game six but when he went when he really you know when he showed out he was he couldn't miss anything um and also uh brook Lo- brook lopez you, you always have him if you need a clutch three or just a a, a very under the radar putback where nobody's paying attention to him <laughs> so crazy. like he's oh my th- that that team had so many weapons it's not even funny um so, yeah, I anticipate the Bucks getting getting back there. I would love to see, like, a Giannis-LeBron series. That would be incredible. That would be awesome for 2022.
0: I know people are sick of seeing LeBron. He's going to enter, what, age 37 next season. He's getting a little long in the tooth, but I, I think we're seeing... I, I, when, when you get a player like Giannis who plays like this, I, I, we talked about this on another episode, and I've seen this in other sports, I feel like this is that step forward that you take as a superstar where you don't really go back to who you were prior to the series. I think we're going to see a better Giannis or a consistent version of what we've seen right now. No, he's not going to have 40 point, 50 point games every night. But I think this confidence has been like embedded in him at this point. And I think we're going to see like a, a true, no doubt superstar game after game after game next year. And the Bucks are going to be a fucking problem. I, and my thing about the Nets, man, I just, I don't know. I'm just telling you. I think they can keep it together, but you hear Kyrie talk about, he sounds like he's so like, I don't know if I really want to play basketball, like the motivation side of things. He thinks that the earth is flat. We saw this with Miami, James Harden and and Durant, you know, them working together. We watched Miami back in the day, like they lost that first championship game, trying to put it all together. Then they ended up winning back to back. I don't know. All I'm saying is, I think that the Bucs are, are going to be tough to beat if they keep this team together. And I think you're going to get some veterans that are willing to you know, play on the back half of this roster to get an opportunity to play for a championship-level squad. Okay, but people hate on LeBron. Uh, I saw people hating on Giannis. I, f- I forgot what the tweet was. I think there was an NBA, another player in the league that just like some off-the-cuff clowning comment on Giannis saying that like, He only won it because he's like a freak of nature or some stupid thing. Like, it's so dumb. Anyways, the point is the GOAT, the real GOAT in most people's eyes, Michael Jordan recently had a FLIR PSA 10 sell for an ungodly amount of money, Jesse. Is this true?
1: The PWCC Premier Auction. So these are cards. As of right now, they're they're going to lower the th- the the threshold price of what they're looking to for the cards to be valued to be eligible to be in this type of auction. Uh, PWCC Premier Auction features cards that have an estimated value of fifty thousand dollars or more. So um, in this past auction, I believe it ended the weekend of. Let me see. It ended on the weekend of July seventeenth and July eighteenth. Um so this past weekend it um it it featured a PSA 10 Fleer Michael Jordan uh rookie and it sold for $840,000. And yes, the average the average layperson um in in the hobby who might not be super familiar with the market or PWCC might be thinking, "Oh my god, the PSA 10 just tripled overnight because in the same week, uh, in an, another auction house, sold uh, Jordan Fleer PSA 10 for three hundred and eighty thousand dollars, something like that, or somewhere around th- somewhere between three forty and three eighty. I can't remember. Um, so we're talking about essentially the card close to tripling in the course of a week. So. Uh before I kinda go into like a, a little bit of a deeper dive for why this sale uh went for over eight hundred K and maybe why we shouldn't think that the Jordan market's gonna explode just and you know because of this the rest of the card market's gonna triple overnight. Um Ugh. yeah, I'm 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 sorry, Nate. That's news to Darren Ravel's ears. No, it's all right. <laughs> so uh what was interesting about this Jordan Fleer PSA 10 was that it was it was uh, rated by PWCC as a PWCCS Jordan Fleer PSA 10. PWCC has a rating system of uh, comparing PSA 10s to one another so believe it or not everybody not every PSA 10 is equal um, especially for for very exclusive cards of GOATs and the most sought after cards of GOATs. So I took a look at the PWCC website um, in terms of their evaluation system um, when evaluating uh, cards of the same grade, but obviously different copies um, on their website. It says not all cards within the same grade are created equal cards in the top 30% of the I appeal uh, scale statistically garner um, in the I appeal scale statistically garner superior market prices. 200% plus of market average for cards at the top of the range. PWCC has the data to prove it. So in their evaluation or in their evaluation system, um, when they're looking at, uh, different cards within the same grade, they have, uh, the PWCCA, a, which stands for, uh, above average grade. So that card is like, let's say, all right, we're talking about the 86 Fleur PSA 10 PWCCA. a, uh, recognizes the card as being in the top 30% condition-wise of all Jordan Fleer PSA 10s. PWCCE uh, goes for that card, would put it in the top 15% of all Jordan Fleer PSA 10s, whereas the PWCCS would place the card in the top 5% of all Jordan Fleer PSA 10s. What's even crazier is one of the spokespeople from PWCC, I can't remember who, came out, and said, out of their 20 plus year history of selling this card at auction through their website or, or on eBay, this was the nicest version of that card that they've ever seen
0: Wow so this so this is very clearly like one of the nicest cards that they've graded absolutely what, what
1: Nate you and I were, were talking about this a little bit ago um, off camera and the 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 contrast between the population counts of PSA 10 jordan fleers and bgs 10 jordan fleers is insane like for psa 10 it's still a you know it's a relatively low pop there's far more people that want the card than how many are graded psa 10 so the population count of of the psa 10 is over 300 whereas the bgs 10 population count is only six which is just out of the it's out of this world yeah there's no black labels BGS tens, you're not gonna you're not gonna see those cards up for auction just because um, they're in they're in very strong hands. People don't want to let those go. That that honest to god right now could be a million dollar card, no problem. Um, if this PSA ten sold for for 840k, it's a little you know it's kind of speculation just because the uh, the the condition of this particular Jordan Fleer PSA ten that's sold. Uh, was so nice because in '86 Fleer, it, that that whole set is known to have centering issues. There, so there are tens that are graded that aren't that aren't you know that they they still have centering issues. Whereas this card, if it was great, if it was put in a BGS holder, same condition as is, it's got a real shot at getting a BGS ten, just short of a black label.
0: It's crazy. I mean, to see the prices of these cards and now know that. PWCC has this like superior top level of grading, and it, it makes sense how it works. I just I didn't even know that this existed, Jesse. Much like many of the listeners on this show, um, I had no idea. Now, for the people that are listening, when you talk about these BGS ten slabs that are out there and that people are holding on to them, what makes those more expensive?
1: Uh, BGS ten has always been held to a uh, superior. Um, status even t- to the PSA 10. Even today, it's still for. I, there have been instances of BGS 10 selling for less than a PSA 10 of a certain card. Probably, definitely not this card, but it is far, far more difficult to get a BGS 10 of any card than it is to get a PSA 10. Just because a PSA 10 is considered a gem mint, the the co- the copy of that card is considered a gem mint copy. BGS 9.5 is also uh, evaluated or evaluated as a gem min copy, whereas BGS 10 is pristine to the point where out of all the subgrades that you talk about on BGS cards, uh, corners, uh, uh, centering, surface, edges, there's only in a BGS 10 slab, there's only one subgrade that graded out as a 9.5 and everything else graded as a 10. So it is very hard to submit a card to BGS, and any card, and get a BGS 10. So BGS 10s, uh, for probably the, the, the
0: rest of the time that Beckett and PSA are around, they're going to carry a premium to PSA 10. That's crazy. And we've talked about that on this show, how BGS is this notoriously difficult grader. And it's why we always end up shocked when we see BGS 9.5s like just going for pennies on the dollar. On eBay it's always shocking because we know that they're a stringent grader and we've talked about it before I mean do you believe that a multitude of BGS nine fives if broken out of the case and submitted to PSA could come across as tens uh,
1: Yes, but they would probably They would need um, So BGS is very strict on uh, centering so it's very it's very tough to get at uh, BGS nine five with ten centering and then everything, all the other subgrades are nine five. Whereas PSA ten, uh, PSA gives a little bit more of a leeway or uh, room, like you know, room for improvement, whatever, uh, for centering. And they can still give that card a PSA ten. But PSA might be actually a little bit more strict on corners than BGS is. So that's pr- the corners have to be really well in order for for uh, PSA uh, for a card submitted to PSA to, to grade a ten. Whereas, yeah, B- BGS is pretty, they're they're pretty strict on centering. Um, but the, in terms of in terms of the premium uh, between the two, it's gonna it's it's gonna stay for the time being. I'm not sure if it'll if it'll ever get back to where the BGS 9 point5 is worth more than PSA 10, unless if PSA just completely goes down the shitter and Nat Turner is a fraud. He's been posting somebody else's collection this whole time. He does he's not worth hundreds of millions of dollars, something catastrophic. Like absolutely unforeseen has to happen to, to PSA in order for the power to go back to BGS, but but it's you know w- with the with the multiplier between the BGS nine point fives and the PSA tens, it's it's absolutely insane. Just because in the very same auction, I, I believe I, I believe it was the same auction in P, the P, PWCC Premier auction that ended on uh, the same weekend that the PSA ten Fleer did, the BGS nine point five version of the same card, uh, so nine point five centering. Uh, corners and edges, and I believe a uh, ten surface. So it was a what's called a true gem plus with three nine fives and a ten subgrade. That card sold for seventy two thousand dollars, less than ten percent of the PSA of the eight hundred forty thousand dollar PSA ten. So I, I tweeted this out, and before even before even uh, like realizing that it was a PWCCS uh whatever graded PSA 10 Fleer Jordan I I said what the hell is this what the like I was more I mean I I eventually I was shocked by the PSA 10 sale in a good in a good way but the BGS 95 just I don't I don't get that even if even if the true valuation of the PSA 10 is around 300 to 350 380k there's no way BGS 95 true gem plus should be going for a quarter of that price.
0: What the hell's going on? I mean, here's the thing. It's human grading, right? I mean, in the end for now, between these two companies, this current state, this is human grading. The difference between one human grade and another human grade equated to a 90% difference in price. You know how fucking crazy that is to say because two different people decided to grade marginally different one card goes for you know 10 times the price I love that you brought this point up because we are going
1: to continue to see that. this is probably going to be more popular so this type of sale I'm not saying so all right if you're going to take any anything away from this segment of the show don't don't prepare for Jordan Fleer PSA 10s to skyrocket they might I I'm not going to say they they won't but don't look out for $500,000 plus sales But there will always be room for another skilled professional in the hobby to grade the grader. That that will always remain in the hobby until all grading from every single grading company that's out there, until all grading is computerized and all grading is AI.
0: Yeah, that's the concern. It's what... It's what excites me about it going to this uh, AI form of grading. But I don't know if there's pure hobbyists out there that don't want it to go that way. The same way that people don't want, you know, a robot and photo eyes to call a baseball game. They want that human error. They want that variance, right? They They don't want that to be infused in it. So I get why there's a lot of hobbyists that wouldn't want that. That they don't want it to go to that scale because then it gets weird. You have a AI... PSA, Jordan 10, and then you have the Jordan 10 that wasn't scaled by a computer and verified. It's like, do they then necessarily, are are they going to add like a new letter to the grading so that you know, hey, this was AI graded, this one wasn't? And then someday there's, you know, a discrimination against one versus the other. Like it, it could, it could very well go down that road. So I don't know. But to your point, the day that we go fully AI is probably the day that many of us can can stop this debate about one human grader versus another. But I'll just keep stirring the pot and I'll say, well, the calibration of their grading machine isn't as high quality as the calibration of this other grading machine, right? Their laser isn't measuring to the perfect micron or whatever the fuck it is. So that's what I'm worried about, Jesse.
1: You, you just took this one. I haven't heard on any other podcasts, any other hobby personality uh, mention that point. But that that very well could be, that could be. Yeah. We're right.
0: going down that road. I'm going to, I want to go machine by machine. I'm going to verify him for myself with a magnifying glass, which is what you're going to need to use to figure out Cam Akers current value. <laughs> so we're not laughing
1: at the injury. We're not. No, no. that was just the perfect segue. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that segue is just good. So Cam Akers, Achilles tendon tear out for the season. And, probably more than that, Jesse. He was a sleeper odds-on favorite for people to finish the RB1 overall in this Rams offense. And I think that there was a great chance that we were going to see a, a pretty incredible season out of Cam Akers. That's not going to happen, at least this season. And there's a lot of questions around what he could look like going forward. So from, from a card perspective... Jesse, do we look at this like a buy low opportunity? If you're a prospective Cam Akers buyer, if if you believe this 22 year old, very talented running back who just sustained one of the worst injuries you can possibly sustain as a professional athlete, if you believe that the other side of of the of the fence here, when he when he finally gets past all this bullshit, is a healthy running back. Are you buying low on this opportunity?
1: Not necessarily, just because given the extent of the injury and its severity, almost you can argue that maybe age is on his side. Um, but NFL running backs don't who have who have suffered this injury don't have a great record of coming back and and continuing to to show success in the league. Um, in terms of the price of his cards, yes, we're gonna see we're going to see crazy dips right now, but they are not done yet. Um, just because, you know, K makers cards have are down 50 plus percent across the board. This is not the bottom. Um, we're probably going to see the bottom at some point, you know, midway through the year to the end of the season when people really, when people really don't are not mentioning his name whatsoever. Um, Interestingly enough, when when something bad happens to a player, you see a lot of panic sellers, and there's actually people who at that time think it's a good opportunity to buy, but they don't realize that when they're buying, there's a decent chance that it might fall fifty percent after that. So just be patient. If you are, if you are a camakers collector, if you are looking to, I'm not. I, I don't think I'd be investing money into cam makers right now, even with, with, uh, with the injury. Um, there is, uh, yeah, there's, there's just too much risk there. You don't want to like in, in stock terms or in finance terms, you don't want to catch a falling knife where the prices just keep dipping and dipping. And people just want to get, you know, they want to get 25 cents on the dollar. They just want to get their money out and on to the next thing. So I am not looking at, uh, right now as, as a buy opportunity. He very well could come back, you know, reports could be promising in next off season, He's already working out by, I don't know, whenever it's tangible for him to work out. And maybe at that point, people, you know, people are going to start seeing his name in the news. Maybe, you know, there could be a little bit of speculation there. His prices might rise a little bit. Maybe that could be a little bit of a sell window um, if you don't believe that he can fully come back from an injury like this but i would wait a little bit before if you're really looking to to buy into cam acres i i would i would i would continue to wait i would not buy right now
0: i mean the the card advice and the dynasty advice are very much hand in hand we've got 50 days from essentially the point that we're recording this 45 from the time you're hearing it let's say plus the length of the season literally 200 days from now or 150 days from now you can go looking for cam acres cards when he's at absolute rock bottom. No news has broken out. This is a this is a substantial injury. I mean, most every player that ever sustained this injury never had a career after this. Even down to the young guy Deonta Foreman who was 21 years old when he had it and he was basically out of the league shortly after. I mean, we never saw the same player that we expected to see. Matt Kelly and I fought for two full episodes of Sonic Truth with McNichols versus Foreman, just to see them end up on the same team at one point and then watch Foreman essentially wash out with one of the worst injuries. It killed, I mean, it killed Arian Foster towards the end of his career, Beanie Wells, he he disappeared from it. Uh, of course, you know, Marlon Mack most recently, we don't know what happened with him, but it gives you pause, but Marlon Mack is kind of that, sort of that sh- shining light of hope right now, that ray of hope because he's 24 He's essentially coming back from it. We don't know what player we're going to see. We saw a good player prior to the injury. So he's kind of that test factor for us. If he starts playing well this year, that at least gives us hope. Because every other player has been erased from the league because of it. Dependent of age, whatever it is. A lot of these guys were 24, 25 or older. Again, he's 22. He'll be 23 next season. We probably don't see him until... Couple weeks into the season. And by then, who knows what the Rams do at running back? Because I've heard a ton of rumors. A ton of rumors. Jesse, I've got my ear to the ground. I've got cups to doors. I'm listening all the time. Tons of rumors about guys like Sony Michelle. The Patriots have depth at the running back position there. Sony Michelle potentially a trade candidate because they're not picking up his fifth year option. He's likely not going to get re-signed with the Patriots. He could be a trade candidate to the Rams, and interestingly enough, if he played well, and let's say the Rams decided to extend him for some reason just because he played well in the offense waiting for Akers to come back, not knowing, there could be an odd situation there, and that's on top of the fact that we don't even know if Akers comes back the same player that he left. I mean, there's just so many concerns. So buying his cards for me, I, if I want to invest, I'm going to wait a long time. I'm not buying today.
1: Agreed. And don't buy, while we're on this topic, do not buy Darrell Henderson cards right now. For the love of God, please don't. Because in one day, I, I was looking through Darrell Henderson 2019 PRISM sales on eBay. And I had a, I stopped scrolling after 15 minutes just because I couldn't get to the bottom of July 20th. Okay? So Come on, I saw man. I saw his PRISM base PSA 10. First sale of the day, first sale of the day on July 20th, the day that K-Makers tore his Achilles, I saw that card go from $20 to almost $100. Do not do not buy a card that 5Xs in a day. I don't care what card it is.
0: It's FOMO, though, right? It's, it's FOMO. And now, listen, Jesse, I found one myself. Now, I cannot substantiate whether this card actually sold for this amount or it did not. We've done our research. So before you guys come running up to us like the lynch mob that you can be and tell us that we got something wrong, you're off by a penny. (laughs) Uh. Listen, before you come after us, I get a lot of DMs. I get tweeted at for mistakes. I don't want that smoke. We've looked, we can't find it. I don't know if you will. Maybe this hasn't filtered through the information that's on the website that we're looking for it from but a one of one BGS 95 Darrell Henderson auto went for $1500 as a best offer. Now Jesse, you've speculated maybe the guy took $150. It's possible, but for the sake of this bit, we're going to say it was 1500 fucking dollars.
1: Uh you you came out and said that that seller had one foot in his own grave. <laughs>
0: well he knew right if you had can you imagine you bought these these Henderson rookies because he had some premium draft capital and you thought that the Rams were invested and this was the next guy after Gurley and all this was going to work in his favor and then oh no Cam Akers gets drafted, and all of a sudden you're stuck holding these cards of this backup running back that every time fantasy analysts have a conversation about the top backup running backs in the league, they don't say his name. Nobody says his name. I don't even want to say his name right now. And everybody's like, oh, now he's in my top 15. He's only moving up to the top 15 of rankings because of volume, and that's it.
1: How long do you think to to put this back into the card card perspective? Uh, how long do you think that 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 seller has had that those pictures of that card on his phone for listing or waiting for this very this this very opportunity
0: uh since draft day of 2020 since since the card was graded
1: yeah since since he literally he submitted the card himself like a big boy, <laughs> big boy. to bGs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and he's been sitting on this since. He he thought he had one. He thought that he had one. He sent it to BGS, went with a great grader. He thought, hey, this is the card. This is the guy. Ten years from now, when I'm thinking about early retirement because this card is now worth $487,000, <laughs> I'll be glad that I graded with BGS. This guy is the future of the Rams, okay? They, they're going to fucking hang his jersey in the rafters. And then guess what? This guy took $1,500, he's lucky, if that's what he actually sold for, out of pure pity, to either Darrell Henderson himself, a member of his family, or the least educated buyer that ever stepped foot on eBay. And we've talked about egg cards on this show. Mm. (laughs) I'm fanning the flames. I totally agree. I'm not chasing Cam Akers cards right now. We're not saying we don't believe he could... Put it together in the future. I'm not a doctor. If I was a doctor, I probably wouldn't have time to do this show. I'd be doing surgeries and I don't know other things. I don't, what do doctors do? Right. Okay. That's a surgeon. doesn't matter. So (laughs) Jesse, buy low opportunity. Probably not avoid that. Don't buy Darrell Henderson. Congratulations. If you've been stashing this guy in fantasy for the last two years in hopes that something was going to happen because now he's marginally relevant Best Ball Mania 2 at Underdog. It's relevant. That's going on right now. Best Ball Mania 2 is underway after the massive success of Best Ball Mania 1 last year. It is back again this year. $25 bonus cash for new players who deposit using the code UNDERWORLD. Guys, go get in it. Go jump into an underdog tournament. Uh, It's taken the entire world by storm. It started with nothing, and they've conquered the entire universe, Jesse. Absolutely bending my mind every time I see this account grow and grow and grow and more people posting screenshots of their drafts. They've just taken it by storm. What's also taken people by storm, Jesse, because this podcast continues to grow. I can't say the number because I've got a gag order that I signed. I'm not allowed to actually say the statistics that this show is doing, but this show is doing great. People really enjoy this. They come to listen to you. I'm just, I'm just here just shooting shit from the side, attempting to, you know, I stand in the corner and wait for the ball and I take a shot when I can, but these are, these are Curry level threes though. <laughs> these, it's fine. Yeah, Just
1: shooting from the hip and it's, it's, it's in every time.
0: Yeah, Nobody's quicker. So we, we introduced a new segment last week. It's the Would You Rather segment. Jesse is the creator of this. If you guys would like to submit a question to Would You Rather or if you would like to get your question read live on the show or just more content in general, patreon.com forward slash I'm Outrage. Go check it out. We also have a Discord chat with a lot of good people in there. They're incredibly active. I mean, day and night, these guys are in there. So let's jump into one right now. Let's start off with a Would You Rather, Jesse. And this one comes from John Cole.
1: John Cole asked, would you rather grab a super short print card of a player you PC before you can accurately do research, or would you rather risk losing the card to save a few bucks on price? For sure. All right. So the the key part of the question, John, uh, that you asked is save a few bucks on price. What's a few bucks? Is a few bucks 10%? Is a few bucks even 20%? If it's a super short print card of somebody who I actively look to collect, I don't care. I am going to buy that card no matter what because in the end, what's ten percent to me? Um, that's I, I've been. That's something that I've come to a realization point at this year is that. If it's something that I'm just really looking looking for, um, it's it's something that just appeals to me. It's it's a type of card that kind of I I have a couple of like mental checkpoints that I want a card to accomplish before I actually purchase it. If it accomplishes most of them, if not all of them, um, I'll look to pay for it just because there have been. Um, Especially if I just really want the card, and I like if if I go to bed thinking about that card, uh, that's how I know it's probably something that I I am gonna I'm gonna end up buying or that I, I feel that I need in my collection. Um, there have been OGs in this hobby that have been in it for twenty plus years. We we saw, dude, we saw we saw somebody buy a Babe Ruth card in the mid nineties for twenty less than twenty k. So there are people that have that have been in this for a long time, and they will happily admit to people who are looking to, to speak to them that at some point um, they have overpaid for a card themselves of you know a very very nice quality card a card that a lot of collectors want um, but nobody would be willing to pay that price at that moment in time and now they have the sickest collections you'll find in the world on Instagram on the web wh- wherever um. so when I when I see that the the seller and I have a difference in price of like ten percent, um, and it's it's obviously like you said it's a super short print card. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay that extra ten percent if that's what needs to happen.
0: And we did a podcast, our first guest appearance with a guy that you know off Instagram, Rob, and this was really something that he talked about, just the, these rare cards and also. You know, not being afraid to spend, like you're saying, a few extra dollars, whatever it takes to secure, Whether, especially if it's a PC, right? If it's not a flip, but especially a PC, a player that you want to hold on to long term, then even if it's, like Jesse said, 15% over what you're looking to spend, if you expect that card to climb, then it's kind of small change today, knowing that tomorrow it's going to have a lot of upside. So totally right. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Jesse, I just noticed this before I get to the rest of these questions. I want to mention, Jesse, you're going to the national card convention. Is that right?
1: I am. Yes. And that I'm going to be in the national. All right. So the national is Wednesday, uh, July 20. It's like a week from yesterday. I think it starts. So it's Wednesday, July 28th, and it's going on through August 1st. At the uh, Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont, Illinois. Uh, yes, I'm going to the show. Um, I will not be a dealer there, so you, I can't give out like a, a table number or something, or you can't find me across from Panini or Tops, or uh, if Vegas Dave somehow is set up there, you're not going to be able to find me there. But I will be walking around. Um, uh, if you want, hit me up on Instagram. Um, just just to say hi. If you see me walking around and I'm just drooling at gold Julio Jones refractors, uh, just tap me on the shoulder and just be like, all right, dude, uh, like stop drooling and just say hi to me. Be there. Uh, don't be shy and um, say hi if you see me.
0: He, he won't be hard to miss. Jess will be wearing a coat made of all Dalmatians like Cruella Deville, a long <laughs> white one just dragging on the floor. Shouldn't be hard to miss. Well, that's cool. I know that a couple of the patrons that I've talked to are going to that convention as well. I will not be making it there, but Jesse is going to be holding it down for the clear of the cash podcast there. So hit him up. It uh, sounds like it's going to be huge. Sounds like a ton of people uh, in the industry are going to be there. So be a good chance for you to network and uh, meet some of these patrons of people on Twitter. Again, growing audience guys go find Jesse absorb all of his time. Josh McAtee. Great question here. We, he consistently, Post the best questions. I shouldn't I shouldn't say the best because it sounds like I'm sounds like I'm favoring, but he asked some really good questions. His questions are so good we can't even use them all. We have to like decide which one do we use. So this week he asked us about defensive backs and which one we would collect as an investment. And you and I read this question and instantaneously had the same answer. But his question was Charles Woodson or Deion Sanders. So Jesse between those two, which one are you taking as a long term investment?
1: Deion Sanders, no question about it. Although I think Charles Woodson is still underappreciated card wise just because of the the type of player that he was for as, as long as he as he played, um his cards are still like surprisingly affordable. So I'm not saying he doesn't have room to grow. He absolutely does. But in terms of being somebody who uh card collectors want to, who, who they want to spend their money on and collect, um De- like, you shouldn't look that much further than somebody like a Dion Sanders. Now, I know defensive players aren't, you know, the sexiest players in football to collect cards of, but Dion had, like, everything that you'd be looking for in someone to collect like he had the personality he obviously had the athleticism um and this and his level of success in the nfl like he was a i mean he was a dual player for a while right playing both wide receiver having the ability to play both wide receiver and db um and just the personality like he just he's so collectible it's not even funny i actually i put out a tweet a couple weeks ago i can't i can't pull it up now but Somebody bought on, I believe it was a 1998 or 1999 Essential Credentials, uh, Deion Sanders. I think it was, I, I can't remember what grade it was. It doesn't matter. It's a beautiful card. It was numbered out of uh, 50 or so. Um, very low population. Somebody scooped that card up for $750 on my slabs. And I couldn't believe it because those cards in that same grade for other, other stars at that time go for twenty five hundred dollars plus and i thought seven hundred fifty dollars for that card was a steal so you can you can certainly get into deon sanders um at a fraction of the price of even skill position players from that time period just because he was a defensive player but if anything his personality might have been
0: like one of the most exciting out of any of the any of the NFL stars in the 90s. He he had a funny situation that recently came up. I don't know if you heard about this. So he's the head coach of Jackson State, the Tigers. And recently, during a uh, an interview with a reporter, they referred to him as Dion on two different occasions, and he got really upset that they weren't referring to him as coach. I think it was a respect thing. He brought up Nick Saban and said, would you guys call Nick Saban Nick? No, you call him coach. I want to be called coach. So he was he was energetic, but so he is, he's coaching college football. But the thing is, I, I wanted to mention like the baseball career stuff is impressive as well. Like the multi-sport athlete, I, I mean, such an icon, ton of television time. I'm sure we're going to see him on TV again at some point, unless his goal is to work his way up the ranks to higher levels of, you know, professional football. I mean, one of the greatest corners of all time. I don't know how he doesn't get a shot if he wants it. But nonetheless, good question. I agree. Deion Sanders just seems the most relevant long term. Um, Josh McAtee with another one. Which first year refractor product do you prefer? And he says nineteen ninety six tops chrome or twenty twelve Prism.
1: Josh McAtee's a real one just because um <laughs> he does not like his all right, the Deion Sanders question that was kinda I don't know, to me that that was That was that was a really I mean it was thought provoking even though I thought even though I you know heavily leaned Sanders but his questions man they really make me think Um, for something like ninety six tops Chrome or twenty twelve Prism I'm assuming we're talking about uh, we're we're probably talking you know multi sports we're talking basketball we're talking football Um, I would be going twenty twelve Prism. All right, so kind of breaking down the sets themselves, um, both both years in basketball had outrageous rookie classes. So ninety six top scrum, you have, you know, you have Kobe, you have Steve Nash, you have Allen Iverson. It like it's just you have an insane amount of talent, like superstar talent, who are rookies at the time, Um, and even. 96 tops chrome base and refractor Psa 10 michael jordans they go for a ton of money just because that's obviously jordan's first year tops chrome people are going to take that you know that card seriously whereas um 2012 in in basketball you also have what would pro- amount to be probably just as good of a class like or just as stacked of a class talent wise we we talk about them probably every couple of episodes you have Um, you have Anthony Davis, you have Kawhi, Damian Lillard, um, Clay Thompson, uh, just because in 2011 and 20, 2011, no, uh, basketball, there was no, like nobody had a, an NBA license for producing basketball cards. So the 2011 rookies were, um, combined with the 2012 rookies for that 2012 prism set. So you just have that, that 2012 prism set is just so stacked. Um, in term, the the reason why I'm going with 2012 is just because I don't know if there is, there is definitely a scientific reason to this. I'm not sure what it is. Um, maybe we have to call on some organic chemists. Maybe we need an organic chemist as a guest on the show. I don't know. Um, the reason being is because in in 1996, Tops Chrome, uh, both for base and I believe refractors as well they have a tendency over time even if the cards are graded even if the cards are graded they have a tendency to to hulk and by hulk i mean they turn green i don't i don't i don't want people to look at this as like a poor man's pmg green or anything just because it's not it's not as rare and it's not supposed to be green um so that's that's a little bit of a concern. I don't, I mean, green is my favorite, like green, green and gold are probably my favorite colors, um, but I don't necessarily want a card that's not supposed to be green to be green. Um, again, we, there, is, there is some sort of a chemical answer to this. And it, I think people have tested it, uh, tested humidity as a factor, and it's not humidity. Humidity does not turn these cards green. And I, th- I believe this might be the only set that we're seeing this from. We're not seeing it from 97, 98, whatever, moving forward. We're only seeing it from 96. I don't know what the hell happened in 1996 in tops, but they're turning green slowly with time. So, uh, that scares me a little bit. Um, but if, if you have a non green refractor copy, um, graded or not, uh, compare that to 2012 prism aesthetically, honestly, they both look incredible. Um, I'd probably I'd probably still prefer Prism by by a hair, but they they're both just so damn nice. But that whole hulking out th- th- uh, effect for 96 tops scrum would lead me to want to go after 2012 Prism instead.
0: A lot of depth, see Jesse. This is we go to the the outer reaches of what's going on inside there and you just pull these nuggets of information that I'm just not finding anywhere else out. Let's see if we can help this guy out. I heart but che, as we've all learned, okay, we learned that episodes and episodes ago. His question, a little longer than the rest, a little longer. As I've gotten more into the hobby, I've realized it's a lot of resources out there that can help me progress in the hobby. My goal is to get a super dope Lamar Jackson one of these days. Not too sure which one yet, but I figure in time I will see one. But until then, I continue to grind. What card or what kind of card-related apps do you guys use? Currently I use the PSA cert card ladder and sports investor apps on my phone. Do you suggest any others? How do you guys stay sharp outside of it being muscle memory after a while
1: data um, in this industry is power uh, for both buyers and sellers. I want as much of it as possible. Um, Truth be told, I have memberships to both card ladder and sports card investor because they're, while both teams are they're doing exceptional work and I'm huge fans of both, um, occasionally there will be a missed data point or so between, you know, one of them will have a, a missed data point of a card that I'm looking at. whereas usually the other one will pick it up on their on their website. By data points, I mean eBay sale history. So uh, they'll, they'll miss one of them will miss an eBay sale. Um, but usually the other one will still have it. So um, I prefer to have both. Um, obviously guys I, I think th- there there's been a, a couple of people who who um, weren't aware you know of like a, of any any apps being out there for Psa. I don't I don't I don't think Bgs has one but PSA is pretty forward thinking and download the PSA app you don't need a membership for it. It's a free app. You, they actually have. I, I've mentioned this on a couple of shows before. They have an auction price uh tool to where you can literally look up a card just like you're looking it up on eBay, and they'll tell you the eBay auction history of that card, uh for as for as long as the database is is loaded in PSA. So PSA is great. Um, I personally have CardLighter and Sports Card Investor both um, memberships to both. Honestly, uh, it sounds like it sounds like you're doing pretty well. If you have all three, um, you know, kudos to you. That's pretty, you, you know. Data is on your side, and as long as you have access to it, um, if there is a card that is not loaded on either platform, which you, it's impossible to track millions and millions of cards. It's you probably, you need to have a, a group of supercomputers. In order to to have that i'm sure um or to store that data uh honestly saved searches are the next best app free tool you can have for um to to use in your favor just via ebay so um you can get you can you know get flagged if if any, if any card that comes up that you have a safe search for pops up, uh, you can look at past sales data at least for the last 90 days. But in terms of uh, that definitely requires more work. Um, but if it's something that you're really looking for, dude, uh, you're right. You, you got to grind it out until you're able to find the good deal or the good card that you're looking for.
0: There it is. There you have it. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more nuance than that from Jesse Bach himself. Thank you guys for the questions. Jesse and I are cooking up something pretty interesting for one of the next episodes, but I want to let you guys know right now, there will not be an episode following this one, which is in the next week. I'm going on vacation. Jesse is obviously got stuff going on as well. So after you guys hit this episode, there will be a one week break before our next episode. But when we come back from vacation, well-rested, more nuanced than previously before uh we're gonna bring fire so be ready for that so we will catch you guys next time on clear the cash